Hello and welcome to this week's BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with Paddy Willis, founder and exec chairman of Mission Ventures. We talk more about his life and career in food, Mission Ventures' partnership with Sainsbury's, his passion for helping entrepreneurs and educating future generations, as well as tackling the bigger questions we like to ask here on BWB. Should there be more tax or philanthropy? And is capitalism broken? The other thing that I really enjoy about startups, and I guess is particularly true of food and drink, is just seeing loads of new businesses with great new ideas. You know, and it's, you always... Slash food and drink. Slash food (laughs) and drink. You get loads of founders who are really enthusiastic. You know, you've got Duffy Share in there. That was a startup, you know, three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was. You know, they're really enthusiastic and they love what they do. And they're so different. Every single one of them is different. And that just makes days And it And it does tend to come from a real passion. I mean, I think... With a lot of other businesses, maybe, uh, you know, an app or, um, you know, something say digital tech business, it might be that you've really sort of scoured around and you've hit upon an idea and then you can go away and build it and, and see if they come. With, with food, it's usually either um, a needs-driven situation. So I can't find anything that n- either now maybe suits my dietary needs for whatever reason or my lifestyle or it's something, you know, so maybe something I've given up. I mean, it's really interesting um, <laughs> if I go back... Uh, when we first started running accelerated programs for food and drink was um, two, beginning of 2015. And um, we would get all sorts of applying and you'd see these, you know, here's people saying, yeah, and I've got a, I've got a free from X or, a, you know, locale Y. And you think, oh God, really? Okay, let's try it. And you kind of grit your teeth and, you know, <laughs> and, and actually most of the time it was pretty, pretty dreadful. It's a very poor re- uh, replacement for maybe something else they're trying to, you know, trying to fix. Now, uh, and that was really true of a lot of um, sort of no and low alk beers and spirits and that like. Now, by me, the market's moved on phenomenally. And actually, often because they've been trying to emulate a real world product, I say real world product, what I mean is the original, you know, before it became no or low or, or um, you know, free from, is they've really had to work hard at it. That's, it's the same with with vegetarian. So I'm married to someone who spent 17 years as a vegetarian. The food that, that she cooks at home um, when it's, and we're on our sort of one of our, we, we don't eat a lot of meat these days anyway. But my point is that I would rate the vegetarian chili con carne or various other dishes over the original because you've got to really work hard at making the flavors work. With I actually, having gone vegetarian for a year or two and as a massive, uh, grown up as a massive meat eater, I, what I found fascinating is when I, went, uh, stopped eating meat, the flavour improved, if anything. The flavour, I realise, is from the vegetables. What you lose is texture. Yeah. This you know, meat has these incredible sort of crispy, moist, chewy... Like, mm. oh. Mm. Oh. <laughs> so you're no longer a vegetarian. <laughs> but you must occasionally get ones where you want to go, look, guys, you know, it's novel and disruptive, but perhaps... Well, I, I, I was doing this tasting session today with the team for these um, some of the brands that put themselves forward for the Thrive with Sainsbury's program. And um, my note actually on one of them was, you know, I made a few comments, sort of technical comments on it. And then my last point comment was, what's the point? You know, I, I, and, and this is one of the biggest things that, that uh, my colleague Nigel Parrott will say is, um, and Nigel will, will go to his grave and on there will be, did he meet a consumer need? You know, and that's okay, his, his yeah. mantra is, you know, actually does this product, it might be, might be great. Um, does it actually meet a consumer need? And so often we'll find, and actually, you know, certainly in our industry, it's probably one, I don't know, true of, I think actually all startups is, 
when people say, uh, you know, and, you, and I'm sure you guys probably would say from an accountancy perspective, the biggest reason businesses fail is because they run out of cash. Well, of course, that's it is. But why do they run out of cash? It's because they, okay, maybe they didn't raise enough money to be able to fulfill they on a really, really good property. They didn't start the raise but they process early enough is the normal one. Well, anyway. yeah, or, 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 it's, or it's actually kind of an interesting product, but it's not really... Just because your mum and dad and your brother and sister and your uncle and aunt said it was nice and good, um, it doesn't mean to say there's a market for it. In food, I find it fascinating how hard it is to create a demand for something new. I mean, when we first started getting involved in international business, we dealt a lot with Eastern European companies who all said, oh, I want to sell my stuff in Sainsbury's in the UK. And we had, we had a food consultant as a business we kind of got started getting, because we were like, everyone keeps asking us for the buyer. And actually, I do know the buyer at Sainsbury's because he's my neighbor or something. And then we ended up with a food. Anyway, the point is, is all these products. And, and it's like, take anchovies and how we eat anchovies in this country. We eat it in a very particular way. And that's how we like anchovies. You give it to us in other forms and we're like, I don't know what the fuck that is, you know? And I find it very, like how much we're creature of habits. So people come up with a new product, how hard it is to actually, because we don't need that. You know, we're, we're like, we go to the Chinese and all the same three things. We look at the menu. I, I actually am a bit weird. I always order something weird or different and it annoys most people, including myself. <laughs> But is that a problem in the industry that, you know, there's innovation is stifled through really the, the, the public's lack of imagination, you know? Yeah, I think that, I think there's some truth to that. I mean, it, several of the products we were looking at today, sort of fresh in my head, um, you're thinking, well, this is quite a good product, maybe nicely packaged, etc. But are the consumers going to get it? Because it's just maybe one step further away from their understanding. So there's one product I went name it because the founders will know what it was, but which one I'm talking about, should they listen to this podcast? I'm sure they will, because I'm sure they'd be very so well marketed. Oh, it's Paddy. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, just, it was just one of those ones where um, you thought, okay, this is a very popular product for consumers, but what he's, he or she had done to it was, you know, looked great, you know, tasted fine, but it was probably just one step too far removed from it for it to be comprehensible yeah. In a few few seconds that you've got when someone's picking up your product on supermarket. This shelf. is um, this is very similar to a great piece of advice uh, Sandy Burrows um, gave me years back when I was involved in skincare. Who, who came on the on the podcast? But um, yeah, it, it, she many years ago she said to me about like, oh, you make this. You, you know, she looked at a product of ours and she said, look, I get it. It's a skincare, but it doesn't fit together. When you're buying something, your brain's doing two things. It's going, I need toothpaste, and then it's picking up the package and it's sort of analyzing it on an emotional basis, whether that I need toothpaste fits with this sort of, you know, the feel of it. Does it suddenly say something on about it at dentures? And you think, oh, oh no, I don't want anything for dentures. I want toothpaste. Yeah. You and, know? and consumers don't like to be misled. You know, you're not doing it intentionally, but no. you've, maybe, you've maybe styled something in a way which makes them think it's one type of product when actually it's something else. Yes. Um, you know, and you picked up a product thinking, oh, well. I mean, actually, you know, you think about this with crisps. I'm a huge crisp fan. I love oh, we're, we're the world leaders in crisps, Britain. I think we, there's no Why one does, does it better. Why does nobody get salt and vinegar apart from oh, us? Like, I, love I don't salt understand vinegar. that. Yeah. But, you know, one, one brand will do um, cheese and onion in, in, in green, another one will do, well, another one do it in blue. Oh, and you're in a rush and you, and you grab it. Why the hell is that not being sorted out? Don't you think it's obviously green and salt and vinegar is yes. obviously blue? Obviously. It's just, Obviously. One of those motherfuckers does it the other way around. Yeah, they happen to be the market leader as well, which is really frustrating. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you're right; it should be that way around. But yeah. Walkers yeah. is green. 
Yeah, First well, let's of... get that memo over to them. What I was going to say, though, is the bit you said earlier, which I think is really interesting, because I think we think about this with other types of startup. You know, if you've got a tech startup or a umbrella startup or whatever it happens to be, you know, you think about what's the problem that needs solving and how do I solve it? But I don't think people think about that with food and drink because they're kind of like, is, does this taste nice? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, without thinking actually what what is the value proposition to oh, the customer. Oh, I see. It's sort of you make it in your kitchen and think this is delicious. Yeah, you don't approach it as a piece know, of software saying, we've got fucking people to buy this thing. You know? Well, the thing with software, using that example, is that it's, it's in an elastic market to a degree. You know, you're not going to buy software just because of you can, but if you think no you manufacturing, know, but, really. but 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 by 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 far uh, the biggest proportion of you know, grocery products are sold through supermarkets, and the supermarket shelves are not elastic. So you go and pitch to a buyer for your category. You've got to convince them that your product is worth taking another product off the shelf. They've got to go and have a difficult conversation with the supplier to say, "I'm delisting those three, no, three really products about in order that. to put yeah. someone else's product on," which I've not actually tested yet. You know, in in the market, so that's why it's. I mean, super I assume nice. they do what the department stores. They have some shelves for new shit and stuff that survives. Yeah, but, yeah, but even even but the new I shit, some... even, even the new shit shelves are are only so so long. <laughs> new shit shelves and the shit shelves. <laughs> but you know, and then there's that thing which other like a startup doing tech doesn't have, which is you get your contract with the supermarket, and they're not going to pay you for six months to a year. Like, so you've got a much longer lead time. They are getting get a bit money. better well, at that. They you, are getting a bit better. Out of interest, yeah. do you agree with a, a bugbear of mine that I will say until I die as loudly as I can in any opportunity I can is that it should be against the law for large companies to vary credit terms beyond 45 days or something, you know, just say, that's fucking it. You pay people, you know, because the way they don't stifles so much, you know, and their argument, and it'd be interestingly, Sainsbury's is doing it, is we keep the money because we're the ones investing in actually doing something useful. You guys are just little businesses. It's one of the main arguments, apparently, that we, you know, we're the big boys. Let us take our money and invest it in, you know, minorities. And, and so you wouldn't be able to do that. But I, I just think it should be illegal. Yeah, you know? well, it, yeah, that... I mean, to be fair, some of the big supermarkets are much better now offering um, shorter terms. And Why is that? Why is they? Well, I think that's little. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's coming from. I think it's a little bit of huh? pressure. Aldi, 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 and little. I bet. Might be. Uh, no, actually, I'm thinking of the likes of Sainsbury's and, and Tesco's. They've, you know, for a few years now, they've had programs where you can get paid um, much quicker uh, as a small business if you're th- if you're. Um, why t- are they bothered to do that? Corporate threshold. social responsibility is coming through. Yeah, I think it's a bit of that. Yeah, a bit Good. of that. Yeah. And Good, Sainsbury's yeah. are doing this amazing thing with you, which you know. Yeah, that's... which is pretty cool. Um, pretty cool. And, and yeah, they're, 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 they're putting a million pounds on the table to for the program and and, and grant money to the. To the businesses, so that, that's not, you know not to be sniffed at. Not not to be sniffed at. I mean, you know, it's really grant money in, in this industry in our industry is really hard to get out, yeah. get hold of. Of course, it's grant money, so meaning they don't owe it back. It's not equity. They're literally they're not saying, giving away any equity. They, you're taking eight companies. They're all getting hundred grant. Well, they get fifty, well, and they, then they're, the they're better they're get, ones. Yeah, the, the, those that get accepted onto program will automatically get. I think it's twenty k, uh, and then by the by the time you make it all the way through, if you get to be one of the final ones, you'll you'll have had over hundred grand's worth of, right. of free money. You know, and they paid ourselves and found divine to deliver a, hopefully a really powerful program so how, that's taking up how much of your week like uh well as a business it's it's pretty intense at the moment because we've got all these applications which are being filtered we've, oh, we've it's a it's a business in itself this is supposed to be a long-term thing with sainsbury's well we, we would love it i mean their intention their stated intentions they want to get their supplier base to reflect the british um, population you know roughly 13 14 percent of the population comes from an ethnic minority 
that is not the status of their supply chain at the moment. Um, so this is a pilot, effectively, yeah, well, it is a pilot, to test out this, this theory that, that given the right support and some financial support. Because the other thing is, of course, if we give information, if we give guidance to a founder to say, your product will be more um, investable and more distributable through the likes of Sainsbury's if you did X or Y. Well, if they can't, I've got the cash to go and do an X and Y, yeah. they can't do anything with that information. Mm-hmm. So they've been given the, 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 the means of taking the advice and guidance that they receive from people who've been around the block a few times and done a number of these programs so they can take action. And that will then hopefully also make it easier for them to raise investment as they begin to scale. Because as we appreciate, you know, female investors find it much harder. And 60%, by the way, of our applications, over 250 so far, are women. Yeah. So you've got to get 250 down to nine? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're... That's, that's just, quite a time. Do you get to, you get to try all the taste, food, do you? No, we don't taste yeah. the <laughs> Just line it up, I'll tell you. <laughs> but that's, Mr. Tequila, you're in. That's roughly no the right proportion, isn't it, 60%? Because aren't there slightly more women in the world than men? Uh, oh, yeah, but you're talking 51%, 52, 40, yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's not that bit. It, no, no, yeah. the, 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 when you look at proportion, like half a percent more this year is masses. So it's like, what well, fuck, we've got an extra half a million women we don't know what to do with. I know what to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't say anything. That could have meant anything. You know what's interesting is the suppliers to Sainsbury's are probably mostly run big white men companies or whatever, but the competitors to Sainsbury's are... <laughs> <laughs> I've got to stop. You have a passion, though, within there. Um, you know, it said, you know, we were discussing earlier in terms of you feel that you were a founder and then you 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 have a responsibility to bring people up. And I, I, I think the one of the, you know, there's terrible things in the world right now, but one of the most beautiful things in the world is that anyone who has a laptop and an internet connection can make a living if they work hard at it and anywhere and they can be anywhere in the world and that's fucking mind blowing even though it, it's it's no guarantee so that you're going to make a lot but anyway do you not think so? No. A laptop, you're a seriously telling me anyone with a laptop can make a living? A, no, laptop, and an internet connection, a, de- a working brain, and hard okay, work. Okay, that's the bit. Though, hard work. Saying. There's so many different ways. I mean, you can. Be well, a also con look. At, I mean, look. Well, you don't even need a laptop. You can have a phone and an Instagram account. You become an influencer, mm-hmm. and you'd be making shed loads of cash. So yeah, but but that, that that's that's the I guess the if I look back. So when we launched. Um, Plum Baby back in 2000. Well, we started the work in 2004 and launched in 2006. Plum Baby really? was a brand, brand that was food brand. Food brand. Does it still exist? It exists in the US. Oh, God, Tammy. Okay, here's a sub, sub story for you. So we we built it, uh, we launched it in 2006. It took us 18 months to find a manufacturer after the Sainsbury's buy had already said we, we can have 350 stores because they were going to take their own labeled product out of the baby aisle. Um, it took us 18 months to find a manufacturer. Eventually, we found one in France. We built what was then the fastest growing food business. Why, in the why, UK. why was it? Why was it? What was good about Plum Baby? Sorry. Well, in those days, you could actually call them superfoods, but all of the ingredients were superfoods, so they were all there for a purpose. It wasn't there was no filler. Um, uh, we we use quinoa, uh, which most people couldn't even spell. And at back the time. in those days, oh, yeah. oh you no. were bananas. You were like, uh, it's got uh, I don't know, black currants and well, whatever. We, 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 I mean, so okay, so so the the, the th- and we we had had. So the story here is that uh, Susie, my um, first wife, um, and there are only two, by the way. But I always think yeah. it, but it's like yeah. yeah. So I've yeah, got when two you say as well. my yeah. first wife, my first wife does suggest that by the time I moved many. on to my fifth, you know, they're coterminous. <laughs> I'm doing them at the same time, you know, um, obviously. But um, but the 
So we'd had a we'd had a gap of eight years between Charles um, two and three, and going back into the um, aisle, baby aisle, um, you know, she was a great great cook and and wasn't you know we we weren't reliant on baby food, but it was a convenience thing. And we went back in, and really it was still kind of organics and hip, and you know, and then you obviously had the big the big browns like Heinz and Co, um, which we would never buy. And I remember her, her saying, God, you know, really, is this as good as it gets? Can we not do better than this? Uh, and that's, you know, so I was saying earlier on about, you know, how often it's a need, need state-driven impetus to start a business, particularly in, in food. And that was literally what it was. So she went away and started working on some recipes. Long story short, you know, managed to find a way to turn it from a kitchen top recipe into um, safe. I mean, let's face it, you can't get it wrong with babies. So, you know, there's absolutely no chance. That's why it took us so long to find somebody who can actually make it the way we wanted it without with trying to minimise the amount of processing that was going Finding on. Finding a manufacturer full stop is then... Really hard, yeah. But it's, it's become, not masses. But it's become easier. I mean, you know, baby feed is quite special, but and, and we're in the process of, um, through a sort of venture studio model, um, to launch a new baby food venture, which is quite exciting. I didn't know think I'd ever hear those words come out of my mouth again, but um, but we are sort of going back going back to my roots, as it were. Um, but the, the 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 point I was going to make was that sorry, you see, the Pippa's question was, is it still available? Sadly, not. I had this vision that I'd be able to be wheeled around Sainsbury's or wherever in my bath chair in the years to come and point, you know, quivering finger at the baby food aisle and say to my grandchild or my great grandchild, if I'm lucky, oh, you know, that was that was our brand, you know. And the reality is, is that um, we we after Five years, we always set out with a strategy to sell in year five or within five years, and mm. we actually did. Wow, you must be that's, the only people in the world that did that. <laughs> ten is reasonable out yeah, there. Yeah. Don't panic anyone at five years. Yeah, well, actually, you got was, ten. It was, um, we, we actually cut the deal in, so we launched in February of 2006, and we cut the deal in May of um, 2010. So it's less than five years. And at that point, we were turning over about 10 million, just shy of 10 million. Um, we were one of the fastest growing food businesses. Um, people used to refer to us as the innocent of baby food, which we, we, we would take. Uh, it's quite a nice compliment. But then we sold it to a private equity company who, as they, as they do, fucked it up um, and put the wrong person in charge. Uh, then eventually they sold it to an American company called Plum, ironically. We launched about the same time as we did. But he had huge pockets from VCs over in the US. They bought it, and then within a year, they'd sold to Campbell's. And then Campbell's, as I later understood, I've come to understand, don't like international subsidiaries. So yeah, well, killed it anyway. Why should why compete? Yeah. You know? Well, and then they said, well, what do we, do we need? And there was some issues. There had been some issues with product recall and so on at that point. Um, and some some forgive me uh, in this office, but some bean counter somewhere said <laughs> said, do we really need this? You know, don't let me count loss, your beans. Loss making organization in 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 in. In, in the UK, and they decided not to. Isn't be. it mad? America's a big enough market. You meet American companies like we we don't do uh, outside America. We don't need to do it. I'm already in Vegas all day. <laughs> There's no more Vegas. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Aubrey Clark was born and raised Right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others get set up and on their way Aubrey Clark's doors always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935.
big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. One of the reasons I'm, I'm really excited about the idea of getting more founders in to talk to students is because there's a passion that comes with being an entrepreneur. I was, I, so I used to run this charity called Path of the Boardroom and we, had, uh, we managed, thanks to the Mercer's company, one of the city livery companies, uh, they'd given us, they had an empty building very near Bank Station just to hold jury. And it was marked for redevelopment. So they said, it's just sitting here empty. If you want to, you can populate it and we won't charge you. So uh, we had hundreds, well, hundreds, we had probably about 120 or so people based there. And I used to, I used to, that way, I, so I lived, you know, I commuted in from Guildford. And I didn't necessarily need to be there every day, but I would, I would go in every day. And I can remember getting off of the train at, at, at Bank Station from Waterloo. And you know, there's that long travelator that takes you up to the top. Yeah. The number of people, typically wearing a suit, who would be standing, they get on it and they stand still. And they might be re- carrying on reading the novel or whatever, or reading the paper or something, or just standing and staring to space. And I'd be there in my sort of you know, jeans and T-shirts, striding. I, I always do this anyway. I can't, generally speaking, stand still on these things. But, and I think, mate, you're not in a hurry to get to your job. No. You know, that is something, you're not motivated to do what you're doing. But I'm going to a place where I'm going to be surrounded by People, there's no bitching and moaning around a water cooler. We didn't have a water cooler, obviously. But the point being that they are there. If there's a, something to bitch and moan about, they've only got themselves to blame because they're usually a one, two, maybe five, possibly eight-person business. So they've got to get on and sort it out for themselves. And that's what I think is so brilliant about, um, the, uh, you know, hence I could talk about this sort of, you know, this responsibility for inspiring the next generation. It's all about how do you bring uh, that passion and the vision that goes with it and the mission, you know, how do you bring that to life in a business? Yeah. You know, I like it tremendously, but I I wonder whether we should say ability rather than because I liked it better how you put it, which which in, e- in English you would say, you know, you have an ability to inspire the young generation, and I like it's that makes it inspiring as a phrase to do it. Whereas responsibility makes me feel guilty already. Ask yourself if you're not going to do it, why? Yeah, you know, I mean, as I said, is your ability to respond to say, you know, I'm, I'm too busy, you know. But actually, you have no idea what impact you might have. And you might never know. You know, somebody that you, you, know, you did a talk or, or a workshop for or, or well, something. I th- you know, I do think, for example, as lawyers, we have a duty, I have a duty to train the next generation. You have a duty to train the next generation of accountants. It's not, it's not just that they make you money while they're training. Of course they do. But you've also got a duty to the wider society and to the world in general to to encourage the next generation in whatever they're doing. If you work in a cigarette factory, do you have a duty to train the next generation? <laughs> I was about to say, do we, does the world need more accountants? Or yeah, exactly. I, I, I was going to let it run. Perhaps <laughs> not. What I also think is that work experience might be a shit plan because you're not going to learn anything, but workshops, like someone coming in, like we've got to do, and telling you that, you know, I'm going to tell them the dream a bit. I'm going to say it's going to be shit. You're going to do admin. You're going to lose your mind training. You're going to think, I can't handle this. And then you're going to get a client and they're going to say, thank you, really helped me out. And then you're going to have this friendship with this client that you've never really experienced before. And they're going to ring you up when they're worried about things. And they're going to say, Andy, what are you going to, you know, what do you think I should do? And it's this hugely honorable, fascinating job. And you have these weapons. Like 
you, you're like, you, you know, they're asking you questions sometimes, you know, you don't fucking have anything to say, but you understand tax, you understand law, you understand some of the systems, you have other clients in similar situations. You therefore have inter, uh, sometimes a learned opinion, you know. But, um, I, you know, and I also think, and I wonder whether you find this as well, that part of it is, yes, you have an obligation but or a responsibility, but also, you know, doing a workshop, talking to startups in particular, you don't have to be explaining anything earth-shattering for them to be thrilled and really engaged and really part of that workshop with you. And it can be the most fun you have in a week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and it's an opportunity to get out and, and because, you know, we, we used to, we had... Um, we had a law firm, we had an accountancy firm that would come in and, and they would send people in, usually sort of junior-ish um, folk so would come in. it's a good way to get them Yeah, get them out and, 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 and they, they liked people. coming and talking and they get, you know, people could book in for a half-hour slot. It was a fun place for them to come. And yeah, and you could really drop a gem into someone's lap that they could go away and something they've been keeping awake at night and now they've got an answer for it. They haven't going to pay for it. Um, that's the other thing. Of course, people always, and I've been guilty of this in the past, of saying, oh, I can sit on my hands rather than pick the phone up because I'm going to get a bill for it. But actually, you know, sometimes you just need to have that conversation and sometimes it's just say, yeah, no, just carry on doing what you're doing. It's fine. You don't yeah. have to worry about it. And you don't need a lawyer is the greatest thing most people can hear. I love this thing of doing it in schools though. It's like the sort of thing Sainsbury's might be into. You know, I love the idea. Schools have spare rooms. You know, they they have free labour. You know, if, if 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 it was developed more a bit more as an idea, and you could contribute, you go. You know, you'd say, okay, you're going to get these five people, and you can get them to do well if you wanted it. At the start it doesn't have yeah. to opt in. You know? Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I think there's exciting stuff that you can do. So literally yesterday, I was talking with the CEO of a, uh, a foundation that has a multi academy trust. And they've got an idea for a UTC school, so a um, sort of more technical school. What to, is a multi-academy trust? It's just where they've got more than one academy school within school. their... Within and the, they're privately yeah. run, a lot of them, but they're just sort of a government Well, it's a, it's a, Yeah, so they're primarily funded through the, um, whatever the thing is called, where, you, you know, it's bums on seats, so the government pays for the schooling, um, but the foundation will often pay for some extras. Um, so they're constantly fundraising to put more money in the, in, you know, into programs. They can't put money into education per se, but they could put money into doing things that are helpful for the for the kids. And so they, they, they've 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 got a teacher there, one of these schools where um, who's come from working in business previously, now gone into teaching. Um, and because it's a school where they kind of where they've got quite a lot of um, sort of design oriented kids, they're thinking about what if we were to create an umbrella company that allows these kids to start doing freelance work and building a bit of a portfolio, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, super early idea as a stage, but it's something we were talking about literally just yesterday to see whether this might be something that could be turned into a replicable model, not just for their other um, relevant other schools in that group, but also further afield. How do you, you know, I, I heard, I went to this amazing called Ideas Fest and heard Stephen Bartlett speak the first time I'd seen him and I don't Henry Yeah, Dragon's Den. Um, wow. He was talking about, he had about a 30% uh, attendance record at his school. Um, wow. And, and actually he got, he got booted out, he got expelled. That is not private school. No. But then he got, um, I was about to say rehired, he got um, let back in because they went away and they thought, oh shit, this is the guy who re, renego- age 14 or so renegotiated the contract with the um, vending machine and company and got us a better deal. We're actually making money on these things now rather than losing it. Uh, and he's the guy who organizes the accommodation where we go on a school trip. Da, 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 you know, so uh, well, the 14 very, year old very entrepreneurial. School. Well, that's what he was, he was citing it as being 14 year old. And if they'd actually checked his record, they would have seen he had 100% uh, attendance at his business classes. I'd forgotten this, but he, he did a program, which I think I saw 
um, if it wasn't him, maybe it was another person, but I think it was called something like um, the Secret Teacher or something. Yeah. He went yeah. in as a, a so-called apprentice. He was doing a career change, wanted to become a, a teacher. He was going in as an assistant, you know, classroom assistant, whatever. And he was, he was there for, he was being followed, you know, because this was a story about somebody changing there. And they didn't give away who he was and, and he wouldn't have been recognisable at the time. And he was saying to the headmaster, he said, well, how does, you know, basically, you know, what's the economic model? How does it work? And he said, well, we get paid for the students we get. So she so said, so the more students you get, the more the school receives. And he said, yeah, absolutely. So what, what, what makes people come to your school rather than the other school in the district? He says, well, exam results. So basically everything is, you know, they push everybody to get a C at maths at minimum. You know, you shouldn't, you should be, so his whole point was, you know, it's very easy to overlook what's right under your nose by just having a lens, which is, can they get a C in maths? Can they get a, you know, a, a C in English or whatever? Um, and we we live still with a education system that is not fit for purpose in today's world. So um, in this in this crazy world we're living in, you know, and startups are out there creating value, which is great. We have a sort of culture almost that anyone successful in this country is is a bastard, even though they're if you know they're not a billionaire if they're living in this country, then half of their money income is going to be going into tax. So you know so. Should they be paying even more into tax? Should other people pay more because the government's going to take that money and run society better? Or do you believe that philanthropy and smaller, smaller organizations trying to, you know, do smaller things, you know, have a role and we should push a bit more money? You know, rich people, for instance, should give more money. We'd like to tackle some of the kind of bigger questions. Bigger, bigger questions, yeah. Um, uh, I think uh, overall, I would say philanthropy trumps taxes, but that does then come down to... Um, the responsibility of the individual as to what they're going to do. Now, I, I think, and I'm not an economist, I know you've had economists on this before, but I, I think there's got to be some way whereby you could provide some sort of incentive. And I don't know, sometimes it might be tax, might you know, tax benefit, maybe it's recognition or something, stroke the ego, that makes it more encouraging and more interesting for people to be philanthropic. Um, and rather than just tax them more, because I don't trust the government necessarily to do the right thing with that. Income and do you think um, do you think capitalism broken? Do you think you know how do you think we need fix to fix it in some way? It does bother me that captains of industry who, for the most part, have never taken a risk in their life um, in the business. I mean, they sorry, that's unfair. They take huge risks in business, but it's not their money. And you know, you, you look at what's happened with um, you know the banking industry over the years, or big businesses where there's been huge failure, and people are still walking away with with with, with you know, walking away with ridiculous. Do you think? Do you think directors should be more personally responsible in this country? I mean, a UK limited company, if people aren't aware, is pretty much bulletproof for directors compared to Germany or France, or you know. Yeah, I think. I mean, it, it bothers me that things happen. You know, you look at the post office situation. No one's been held accountable for the fact that some people killed themselves because they were. Know, the, the shame they had it? for the fact they'd been accused wrongly. Well, you're talking about wrongly years of, ago when there was a computing error. Yeah. There was a computing error and they were all accused of fraud, not just bankrupted. They were sent to prison. Yeah, oh, people were prison God. and people died, uh, families broke down, all sorts of things happened. When they were being wrongly... What, a direct director would have known that, was yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, as, as oh, I recall... The computer, the computer was not working properly. And somebody knew that. they weren't prepared to deal somebody with it. Somebody knew that. And no one's been held accountable for it. Because they'd spent hundreds of millions of pounds. Wouldn't it be personally responsible system. if they whistleblowed and said of ways to flag and say we fucked up. Oh my God, we must look that up. Yeah, yeah. that's fucked up. But but, but that's so so you know, but I think that there's 
you know, oh God, you know, people will say, oh yeah, but if we don't pay like the Americans and we won't get the talent. But, you know, when we come to CEOs and top board members, but I think it's shameful the disparity between remuneration for it's, top officials. It's so unbelievable. Yeah. It's you crazy. listen to, you know, I was listening to, as I do, a lot, Radio 4, and they were talking to somebody from a water company and they were quoting the fact that the, the chief exec of this water, it was Thames Water, and the chief exec had been paid three million golden hello last year to become chief exec of Thames. Yeah, yeah. This is a company, right, that is throwing sewage into the rivers that has so many leaks that it's losing hundreds of thousands of litres of water a day and is telling people that they can't water their gardens. You know, and the person responsible for that has been given huge bonuses and they declare dividends all the time. What's really difficult about it is, like, take that example, there's a massive company that's had leaks for generations and in, and when you start putting that personal liability on people, I mean, I so no, disagree. No, but how is capitalism working if you still make money and pay dividends yeah. at a point where the business that you're in is not performing? There are surely some businesses, I feel quite strongly about this. No, but tell. hang on, there's several points in there. Paying dividends is a question if they're profitable and they have no, shareholders. No, but this is my point, is some businesses should not be run for profit. And one of those, I would suggest humbly, is water companies. This is such a complicated thing because when they're not run for profit, it has its own problems. But I kind of agree no, with you. It should that be the run funded... by fucking government. They should do something with their time. But but when it is, it's not done a lot better. But I mean, let's just be clear about it. I mean, in some countries, it's done worse. In some countries, it's done better. I mean, you know, we're not great at it. You but know? you can't choose who'd get your water from. So I'm a Thames water no. customer. I can't oh, say, can't. actually, I'd, so I'd, I'd like to have government. Yorkshire water or Seven water or oh, Seven delicious. Trent or whatever. Yeah, it's great. And they run you a pipe. <laughs> they start delivering it in plastic, plastic bottles. Back start off, that's my up. water. Yeah, <laughs> so you, can't do, you, can't, you can't do that. But um, obviously you can chop and change around electricity suppliers and look at, well, that's worked out. But the, the, the reality is, is that I think there is, um, you know, I haven't got a solution, I'm not going to pretend I have, but I, I think there is a problem when people who have that, who are paid because they're so brilliant. There are three million handovers, you know, golden hellos and huge bonuses, and that they can walk away with all of that, even though they've fucked up. What really upsets me is my wife's a doctor, is the medical profession can't. If one fucking person dies and they hadn't slept in two days and they made some complicated mistake and they got the wrong, and you know, they go, can go to fucking prison and they will because the fans, because someone died, people are like, I'm going to fucking destroy you. You know, I'm so upset because it was your mistake which killed my husband. And it's like, shit's going to happen. I'm a doctor. But it's also the disparity. I'm not saying that people that do well in their job and do a good job shouldn't be paid more. Mm. Or shouldn't get no, a absolutely. bonus, but it's the disparity between somebody on twelve grand, who you know, in your post post office, and then the bosses of the post office company that are taking home millions. Like, surely that should there well, should no, just it's, be a narrower it's, it's gap. got bigger and bigger because apparently they all vote in their own salary. The board votes in their own salary. They all vote for their own yeah. salaries. And they're all on each other's boards. So and they're, they're all, all on each. Of, and it's yeah, been yeah. going on and on and on. And now the gap is twenty times or something. And actually, oh, it's, I, it's continued to grow. I mean, it's, it is a huge. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But it doesn't happen this way in every other country in the world. 
I'm not sure that's true. It is true. I promise you that's what, true. What, you've done the like, research? Yes. You know and I mean? I Every other country it. in the no, world. No, I'm saying there are other countries in the world where this does not happen. Oh, okay. I'm sure there must be Scandinavia, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, fucking Scandinavia. They are not a relevant example for anything. There's three million of them in this massive space. They've got free energy. They've okay. got women coming out of their ears. <laughs> So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra and we'll be back with a new episode next week. Until then, it's goodbye. 